everyone, welcome back to Boat Island the Podcast, and today we've been taken over by Skynet as we discuss the Terminator franchise. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And Adrian is taking us on this long history of Asta La Vista babying. Yeah, it's 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 a weird time. It's a weird time. Anyone who like watches the Terminator movies knows that it's it's really just about one and two and then kind of three and then it just kind of goes downhill from there but we might be back for dark fate maybe it's maybe it's going to revitalize the franchise who knows but uh first intro question just to kind of get where people are at in terms of this franchise just real simple are you a fan of the franchise do you like it did you watch it as a kid where yet uh we'll start with matt um so i have seen pretty much all of these movies and I'm not a fan of this franchise. Um, I think the obvious we one and two are not bad or whatever. I know people like them. They do whatever. I think it's the most overrated franchise in history at this point. I wish it would have just been left. I don't know why they keep making movies. Um, they've been obviously very terrible. They've not done well in like 40 years at this point. Like we had one. We had two. Great. I don't care anymore. Leave it back in 1991. I don't care. Early 2000s, early 2000s sequels of all the stuff that came out in the 80s is basically my answer to that. Um, And now we're in 2010 sequels of all the stuff that came out in the 90s. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) What about you, Kate? Um, So I thought I hated the Terminator for the longest time. I thought I was with Matt on that point. I was like, I don't like the franchise. I think these movies suck. T2 isn't a great movie. All that stuff. But I realized that I hated it because I came into it at, at I think you said it was number four, Christian Bale, Christian Bale's yeah, salvation. Terminator. And I was like, this is not, I don't like this. What is happening? Um, and then when I went back to watch the other ones, I couldn't sit through them because I just kept thinking about that one. And then like I saw Genesis and that was awful, real awful. Um, so I thought I hated it, but I gave see you another shot and it's not bad i like it um i know it's really formative and i know a lot of horror people who like love it um so that's about yeah that. uh, yeah i can definitely see that and you can kind of see that in some of james cameron's influences for basically the whole franchise um for me i my dad had all of these you know 80s and early 90s action movies and 70s action movies so this was just one that um i had watched i don't i mean i remember i watched terminator 2 way more than i watched terminator 1 i thought terminator 1 was fine but i really as a kid i remember really liking the silver gooey scary monster man uh i thought that stuff was pretty cool and as doing the research through this, when we get to kind of something about why those, it's basically pre-revolutionary and we wouldn't have a lot of our really cool CGI or it would have taken us longer to get our really cool CGI without T2 as a movie. So again, it really just comes down to T Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 Judgment Day being kind of like the big parts of this franchise. Um, but they might be in a resurgence. Who knows? We're going to find out. So for our production history, if you're unfamiliar with the franchise and you're not getting any of the Asa La Vista Babies, or anything like that. The Terminator is an American media franchise created by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd. The franchise encompasses a series of science fiction, action films, comics, novels, and other media concerning the battle between Skynet, a synthetic intelligent 
Machine Network and John Connor's Resistance, uh, which basically has a bunch of humans. Basically, long story short, U.S. develops the global digital defense network that becomes self-aware, thinks humans are bad, wants to kill thinks them all. Thinks humans are bad? <laughs> I mean, it thinks humans are bad, yes. They, they, uh, they just confirm that humans are bad. <laughs> As all uh, intelligent AI has confirmed in all of these movies, because you only have to be on the internet for like 10 minutes to realize humans are bad. Yeah, nice check out our Discord. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of... Uh, yeah. You're not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying what Skynet wanted to do. There was no uh, thinking. But as always, if they just killed all the humans, then we would have no movie, right? So humanity fights back with the resistance, not to be confused with Star Wars's resistance, but they do fight back and basically Skynet develops time travel, basically, and both it, both Skynet and the resistance seek to use the technology in order to win this war, either by altering the past or accelerating past events or preventing the apocalyptic timeline, all a bunch of stuff. When we go through like the synopsis of the movies, it gets real weird real quick with this franchise. Real uh, bad. Yeah. So the series essentially goes back and trying to rewrite timelines, which essentially provides like endless opportunities for stories. Basically, a new movie comes out, and we're basically, oh, we're back in time. And then one of the movies decides, hey, now we're going to the future. So it just basically just creates this big loop of this is why you're able to get more movies, because there's time travel. And then they start Can I ask a question? Is there any movie that has done time, time travel that's any good? Besides maybe, I guess, Back to the Future? So you're about, like, movie franchise that has done it? Like, for multiple movies? Or, like, good time travel movies? Both. There are good time travel movies. Outside of Back um, to the Future, what do you got? Terminator 2. Okay. We, got, we now have one movie... <laughs> And a franchise. What we got? You know, if Box Office uh, Mojo was still right. Box if, Office Mojo. <laughs> I'm sure there's a timeline tra- category there. Hold on. And there's going to be some typing here because I'm going to. I also am a big fan. I mean, I haven't watched the movie in years, but I enjoyed the movie Time Machine where they go back in time or to the future or whatever. Yeah. And then like there's like the divergence of humans and whatever. I kind of like that movie. I thought that movie was good. Looper is actually good. Looper's not bad. Looper okay. is good. It's the, all the right. The weird thing with Looper is just that weird Bruce Willis makeup. It's all right. The actual <laughs> writing and like the writing and the storytelling of like the like continuity is really good. There's Deja Vu. That was yeah, yeah, that wasn't okay. that wasn't good. Meet the I Robinsons, like really good. It's an animated the movie. The butterfly effect. Also, really, the first one. The other ones don't exist. Oh, the other eight. Timeline. Oh, clock stoppers! Come on now, these are time travel classics. Timeline's really good. I don't even know what timeline is. And it has Gerard Butler. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I don't remember clock stoppers. Twelve Monkeys. Also really good, a classic, if you will. The Voyage Home. Yeah, I mean, come on, that one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Bill and Ted. I do not like Bill and Ted. Ted. Of course the, you don't. I'm not sec- surprised by that. <laughs> the second one's really good. I like the second one. Planet of the Apes. Planet the of original Apes. one. Not the weird one where people really look, where they really look like humans and not the <laughs> Andy Circus one because that's not time travel. 
Was that really That's considered true. time travel, or was it just it got lost in space? Escape for... from Planet of the Apes is time travel. Which one? Escape from the Planet of the Apes. You blew it up. You blew it up. Anyways, all this to say, but Terminator Two. The Does time travel? Oh, oh my god! No, no, no. Yes. No. Starting start side with Matt here. Um. So moving on from there, essentially, time travel is like the big proponent of here, and it's really what keeps this franchise moving. But in the early '80s, James Cramen, basically, who at this point had only directed Piranha Two: The Spawning. Uh, have you guys seen that one? The classic <laughs> Piranha Two: The that Spawning. That sounds like a Matt movie, though. That's like a sci-fi special kind of thing. Um. Basically, Cameron had a fever dream about a metallic torso holding kitchen knives, dragging itself from an explosion. The hell type of which... drugs were you on in the 80s? What? <laughs> it's the 80s. <laughs> so basically, with that dream and the inspiration from John Carpenter's Halloween, he was compelled to make his own slasher style film, which kind of speaks to Kate's point about horror fans liking Terminator. His agent didn't like the idea, so he basically fired his agent and then went to go work on the idea anyway. And Bold then move with the right help, there. I like it. <laughs> hey, I like it. I like it. He's like, hey, I've done Piranha 2. I don't need you. And then bounces. So with the help yeah. of scientific writers, Randall. So, to be fair, I will say this. That is probably the biggest flex we had ever talked about here on the podcast because Stephen King saying, oh, well, I'm just going to go make my own movie was when Stephen King already had the Stephen King money. James Cameron was like, I did piranha guys. <laughs> I'm good. Let's go. Yeah. I haven't even like, I didn't even look it up. Cause I'm pretty sure I've seen it like on sci-fi at like four in the morning one day. I'm but... sure Matt has seen it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was part of that little thing where they were trying to recreate jaws and they started using like a bunch of random animals. Like we had orca, then we had piranha. Oh, yeah, Orca. I remember Orca. I do remember Orca, actually. <laughs> yeah. How many seals does he throw in that movie? <laughs> so basically from, from there, he basically drops his agent and then goes to work on the movie. So with the help of scientific writer Randall Frakes, Frakes? Frakes. Frakes. and Frakes. Bill Wersher, Cameron had an initial script with two Terminators being sent to the past. One that looks like the T-800 that we see in the first movie. Point here, I'm just going to say T what T800, T1000. I'm not going into the oh well, it was mock blah 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 blah. It's 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 too it's too much. It's too much. It's a T T800 is what we're going with. Sorry, at me later. Don't care. You should feel the ashamed T8- if you know the differences. I was like going through this and I kept seeing it differently, and I was like, this is a T800. That's what like colloquially everyone knows it is. So it's what we're going with. You know what? So all you got to do in writing is you just got to pick one and stay with it all the way through, and it can't be wrong. Yeah, that's what we're going with. So we have the T-800 that we see in the first movie and then one that looks like the T-1000 in the second movie. But the technology wasn't there yet, so he was only limited to the T-800 style. So he just went with the one Terminator in the first movie. Gail Hurd, who at the time worked as a producer for New World Pictures, showed interest in the project. And Cameron basically sold the rights to Terminator to her for $1 with a promise that Cameron would... With a, prom- with a promise that she would produce it if Cameron directed it. Heard also made suggestions for the script, which got her a credit as a screenwriter, which is like a point of contention with like her, I guess with her and Cameron, because like she claims to be part of the creation of Terminator, but like James Cameron is kind of like, 
Uh, mean, did you really kind of? Thing? I would like Which to is point out the fact that they were married. Oh, I did not realize they, they were married. They were married from 85 to 89 after she married De Palma. She's actually a producer on so many freaking movies. Like, she's one of the reasons that Tremors exists. Oh, man. They, they got their Terminator people? money and they got married? Yeah. I like it. She And then she, like, uh, like when you do, like, a James, we'll end up doing James Cameron eventually. She's actually on a lot of his movies, if not all of them. So that point of contention happens all the time. Part of them dreams. Interesting. <laughs> Some late night dreams. Imagine what I was dreams turned after that. Um, eventually, the movie would get picked up by Orion Pictures, which is now owned by MGM on a $6.5 million budget. From here, the small idea that really not a lot of people gave a chance would grow into a six-movie franchise that is currently number 36 all-time on the movie franchises list. Uh, with the most recent movie still being in, uh, still going on, and also has like one of the best sequels ever that we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, basically, yeah. So this dude who had a fever dream turned this into a crazy franchise, and he wasn't even a part of like the later half of it until more recently. But still, with the franchising, all the stuff that comes out of it, still the number thirty six movie, still the number thirty six all time grossing movie franchise, which is kind of cool. So. For the movies, I'm just going. If you're not wondering, if you're wondering, oh, which one was the one with Christian Bale? Which one was the one that had Khaleesi in it? Which is the one that you know had other stuff? I'm gonna go through it real quick. So, with all the time travel and most recent movies not being well received, the franchise has been around for 35 years, and the movies have gotten kind of crazy. So, the Terminator in 1984, Skynet sends back a Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you are one of our patrons and you're like, why did you not spell out Schwarzenegger? Because you try to spell Schwarzenegger 50 times in a show notes. It's not fun. So I'm just going to put Arnold he was the S governor. or A.S. <laughs> We're going to talk about him no, being the no. governor later. So they sent him back to the past. Humans send back a human as well. Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bien. Bien? Bien. 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 I don't even know who that Bien. is. Sure. The Terminator is trying to kill Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton, who will give birth to the future resistance leader, John Carter. John Carner? John That's a Carner. different movie. John Carner. That's a worse movie. That is a time travel movie. <laughs> and that movie is, is awful. Time travel movie. And that movie is awful. <laughs> John Connor. Point for Matt on that one. <laughs> Kyle Reese is trying to protect Sarah Connor. Kyle dies during the final. I guess spoilers, but the movie's been out for like 30 years, so sorry, not sorry. Kyle dies during the final fight, but. Uh, Sarah Connor crushes the Terminator. Kyle and Sarah basically bang earlier in the movie and conceive John Carter. I would like to point out that if you look at pictures of Linda Hamilton from this movie, she was jacked. Yes. She was she very actually, jacked. Yeah, it was going to be one of my fun facts later, but she like got the role and then immediately started getting jacked just for this role. She was like Demi Moore in G.I. Jane jacked. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, she was shredded. So Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and this is where we start getting like weird names for the movies. Terminator 2, Judgment Day in 1991. Uh, Basically, Terminator 1 kills it at the box office. Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger's careers are solidified, but the, but the technology wasn't quite there yet for Cameron to make his liquid Terminator, so they both went off to go do different things. 
uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, technology advances, and T2 gets the go-ahead with a $102 million budget, which at the time was makes it the most expensive movie ever made in the 90s. For the plot, Skynet basically, again, try, and this is a common theme with this <laughs> series, Skynet tries to prevent John Connor from leading the resistance. This time, they send back a more advanced T-1000. Again, part of the franchise to kill John Connor as a kid. Future John sends back a reprogrammer doppelganger of the Terminator from Terminator 1. Sarah has her basically it's like 11 years in the future and she's had her own plans to stop Skynet. So basically she's trying to like kill the guy who creates Skynet while other stuff is going on and they basically John, Sarah and the reprogrammed T-800 basically have to defeat the T-1000 um, and try and stop Skynet from being created. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work. Skynet still gets created anyway. So all the cool stuff that happens in this movie doesn't matter. It just prevents things from happening sooner. So then we have, in 2003, when things start to go slightly off the rails and not as good. I like this movie. It's fine. I saw this I used movie to watch in it on theaters. FX. I always watch this movie on FX all the time. Mainly just because I like the part where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, carrying the coffin with like the machine gun thing. That's I, cool I always love that scene. This one was on FX all the time, and I only liked it whenever What's-Her-Face was on the screen because her Terminator was real cool. Yeah, she was cool. Also very scary. This movie also so Terminator sucks. 3. Yeah, it's not that great. Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines is directed by Jonathan Moscow because basically Cameron doesn't do anything with the franchise until later on. So the first film, this is basically the first one where he has no involvement, basically mainly because he's doing stuff with other movies at this time, but also there's like disputes with the direction that Fox wants to take the movies, which is a common theme for why this stuff gets so, you know, muddy later on in this one sarah for this episode i looked up the coffin image <gasps> it's so good yeah it's good it's good and that's right it's like really the only good part of the movie to be honest the movie's terrible but or not he's the walking worst. down the hall i kind of i kind of like that come with me if you want to live i kind of like that part where he's walking down the hallway it's all slow-mo and stuff i kind of like that part too so in the third one sarah connor is dead and john is an adult and skynet isn't averted it's just postponed after the events of t2 Skynet sends another Terminator, this time a TX. And this is the female Terminator that can make guns from her arms and stuff to stop the resistance. This time, the Terminator is targeting future lieutenants in addition to John. And basically, in the future, John Connor is dead. And his wife, Kate, also being hunted by the TX, sends back another T-800 to stop Skynet again. So basically, we get Arnold Schwarzenegger back again as a Terminator, but this time his wife sends it. And so basically, John, Kate, and the, n- the new T8, yeah, plus oh, T800. Oh, John, Kate, plus the T8. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That I works. I make jokes. <laughs> the trio basically killed the, T, the T10, but not, or the TX T10, I don't know how to pronounce it, but not before Skynet becomes self aware and starts Judgment Day. John and Kate begin to lead radio comms and accept their fate as the leaders as they're like stuck in a bunker as basically all the bombs are falling. Yeah, this movie ends with them in the bumper bunker going, oh, you're here to be safe until they all think so you can survive and then lead. So yeah, awful. basically is how that movie ends. So awful. Then you have the fourth movie, Terminator Salvation. This is even uh, worse than in, the last one. In, t- in 2009, this one's really bad. I saw this one in theaters and I regret it. <laughs> 
when the rights of Terminator were bought in 1999, the ter- uh, the two movie two movies were mapped out so that T4 was basically inevitable. They had already planned out T- Terminator 3 and Terminator 4 when they when they got the rights in 1999. Rights for this stuff changes hands a whole bunch, but basically by the late 90s, you know, they already planned to do this. So regardless of how bad Terminator 3 was, we were eventually going to get a Terminator 4. Yep. Basically, in this one, Skynet is developing Terminator technology sooner than expected, and now John Connor, now played by Christian Bale for some reason, leads an attack on Skynet. They find out that they are experimenting on humans, and they try to lead an operation to save them with the help of a Terminator hybrid named Marcus, played by Sam Worthington. And this is just like where everything kind of gets weird. Yep. Something, plot, 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 something, something, something. Kyle Reese is there, played by Anton Yelchin, R.I.P., something, something, something. Basically, the movie ends with John and Marcus fighting a CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger as a T-800, and Marcus sacrifices himself, and the movies keep going, and John basically lives. Because Marcus was a Terminator, but he wasn't a yeah, Terminator. But he wasn't a Terminator, and he was a Terminator who could give his heart or something. I hated yeah. this movie This so movie is much. awful. And yeah. so bad that it made me hate all other ones. Yeah, it's not that good. You know what's worse? Terminator Genesis. So I can't because... even remember if I've actually seen this movie because I saw the last two and I learned. Yeah, I saw it on Hulu. Fool me once. I was, just, on you. I was just lost the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it once also on Hulu because it had Amelia Clark in it. That was the yeah. Only that's the only reason I watched it. Yeah, it's the only reason I watched that's it. Like, I feel like I've I finished it. I was like, I think I've seen bits and pieces of this movie, but it was one of those like we were together at the time, so I probably had it on, and you like watched it, and was like, nope. Yeah. So Terminator Genesis 2015, if you remember this one, is a basically the biggest thing for this is that it's basically a reboot that doesn't matter. Because it was supposed to start a new trilogy That's by taking right. the original premise and taking it in another timeline. But, spoiler alert, that doesn't work. So, basically, in 2029, which is very scary because it's like 10 years away, almost 9 years away now. And I don't think we're anywhere close to this. But, you know, movies, I guess. Well, technically we're not because technically the U.S. military released a report saying that they want to build something like Skynet. But apparently because the people are biased against this technology because of these movies. Thanks, Terminator. It's almost like Isaac Asimov way, <laughs> way, 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 way back when said, this is why you don't mess with robots. Yeah. But yes, that did release, like, I believe three days ago, of, like, this report of, like, the U.S. military trying to build something like this, but they're having trouble doing it because the public saw these movies and they don't want That makes sense. You want to get something even crazier? Skynet is not even really called Skynet in this one. It's called Genesis or something because alternate timelines and more time travel in their thing. That's even worse. That makes that yeah. movie so much No, this movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's really weird. So in 2029, John Connor, John, is it John? John Connor sends back Kyle Reese, basically the main character from the first movie that also appears in, this, in the fourth movie, played by Anton Yelchin. Those two look nothing alike. Why did they cast it that way? I have no idea. Alternate timeline? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Kyle Reese is now played by Jai Courtney, who is trying to protect Sarah Connor. You sound familiar. Now played by Amelia Clark, a.k.a. Khaleesi, from Game of Thrones. In this timeline, uh... Sky never, Skynet never started Judgment Day in 97, and Sarah is still being raised. And Sarah is being raised by a T-800, so basically Honor Schwarzenegger is back again, who has who was sent by someone else 
to be her guardian, but they don't really tell you who it is, if I remember right. So she's just being raised by this robot. So basically, plot, plot, plot. They have to go to the future, which is in this time, 2017, to stop Skynet, because that's when Skynet's going to come back online or whatever the case is. They run into John Connor, who is a T-3000, who is infected by a T-5000, who is basically the physical embodiment of Skynet. And this all happened while Kyle was gone. Because this is super virus T-5000 Skynet. T five thousand? I think he's I don't know. He injected like a virus or something. So I looked at some of these so I did look up the stuff and I have seen quite a bit of this movie, but it's very bad because I'm because I remember the Amelia Clark like stuff. Yeah, so basically Terminator Connor was sent back to twenty seventeen to ensure Skynet's survival. Uh they end up beating the Terminator John Connor and basically Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator gets like a new upgrade, like where he gets like the metallic stuff on him. So he's like a better and bigger Terminator. And they basically live happily over after, but not really because a mid credit scene that I didn't see shows that Skynet survived at the end of the movie. This movie should have never been made. Yeah, it's all over the place and crazy. Um, yeah. So Terminator Dark Fate is the newest movie and it is a reboot again. But this time, they're rebooting it after Terminator 2. So basically, Terminator 1, Terminator 2 still happen, and everything after it doesn't matter. They attempted to wipe the slate, like uh, yeah. Halloween, did, or Halloween 2 did. Basically, yeah. So um, very basic plot from like IMDb. An augmented human and Sarah Connor must stop an advanced liquid Terminator who is hunting down a young girl whose fate is critical to the human's, uh, the human's race's survival or something like that. Tim Miller is direct, directed it. Cameron returned as a writer. Arnold Schwarzenegger is back again. Linda Hamilton reprises her role as Sarah Connor, and that's what we have for that movie. Apparently, this movie bombed. Yes. Yeah. Which is which? One of the things that like kind of like makes me sad because like all the critics I follow were like, "This was actually a really good movie," but then they were like, "But at the same time, I thought I was gonna hate this movie going into it, but I saw yeah. this for free, so I went to go see it and realized it was good." A regular public goer is like, Matt, I've tried this twice before. We're not going down this road again and didn't spend the money. Yeah. So if you're one of our patrons, you can see a couple tables on here. I put in the uh, box office performance. Basically, the first two movies do really well considering, I mean, you, uh, the Terminator on a $6 million budget does $38 million in North America, $78 million worldwide. That's from 1984. So... Yeah, it's pretty good, especially on such a low-ish budget for kind of you know movies in that time. Um, hundred two million budget and five hundred million gross worldwide for Terminator Two, and then everything else kind of just does marginally better. Terminator Three does okay, I think hundred and seventy million budget, four hundred and thirty-three worldwide. Then kind of just goes down from there. Terminator Dark Fate at the time that I pulled this thing like last week. $185 million budget on a two, and at that time had made $250 million, so really not anywhere close to being super profitable. However, if you look at the responses and kind of the reviews, basically Terminator 1, Terminator 2, 90 plus does really well. Everything else kind of goes down from there, but Terminator 2 Dark Fate, again, at the time that I pulled this report, uh, Rotten Tomatoes was a 71%, Metacritic 54%, Cinema Score B+, so not 
terrible considering where this franchise has been over the last. So the fun you know, thing about this the audience score is also an eighty-two percent on Dark Fate, which I think like having both of those at that high a number is kind of sad. So the best thing about this is back in two thousand and three, Matt went to watch Terminator Three in the movies. And we all saw this movie. We're like, this movie is bad. And it had a 69%. But somehow they managed to make the next two movies in which they are like a 33 and a 27%. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you can see why they rebooted this franchise basically twice. <laughs> um, so in kind of in other media, I mean, the movies are kind of the big thing. But there, there is some kind of cool stuff in, in other media for Terminator. So there is or there was a television series. Uh, Terminator, the Sarah Chronicle card, the Sarah oh, Connor that. Chronicles on Fox, basically had two seasons in 2008. Uh, both of the seasons were in 2008. It's kind of weird, but they both had them then. I never saw it. I remember seeing it pop up. I watched like, the on, first like, like few episodes, but I also didn't care for Terminator, and so I was like, ah, I'm out. Yeah, I, I I never watched it, but it does have um, how do you say her name, Kate? I was just gonna say Cersei, Cersei from Game of Thrones. You oh, know who she Lena is, Haiti? Lena Haiti. Uh, and then Sarah Connor. As Sarah Connor and then Summer Gao, who's River Tam in Firefly, was a Terminator in it. Who was grossly underused in Wu Assassin. Still mad. Grossly about it. underused in, in everything? almost everything that she's in, basically. Um, I do want to circle back to Dark Freight real quick. I looked up all the characters and everything, and one of the Terminator things that is helping them, Grace, was jacked in this role. Like, yeah. I found a picture of her throwing a bar pipe, and it's just like, he got very big biceps. Yeah, I mean, even Linda Hamilton at 69 looks... She looks good. I mean, Arnold she looks still good. looks really good for how old he is, and this is where I bring up the fact that that man is actually the Terminator because somebody drop-kicked him and he didn't even move. That was funny. Yeah, I remember that. Was... Yeah, that was hilarious. That was funny. He's like... a tank. <laughs> He's just like, oh, who kicked me? Who he didn't even know he got kicked. He thought the crowd was just going crazy, and somebody told him that they drop-kicked him, and he's like, oh, I did not know this. <laughs> also, like, why would you do that? Like... There's a lot I of mean, people in the I, world you can drop kick, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is not one of them. I would try to drop kick. I mean, the man is imposing. Like he has never not been imposing, even as the governor, he was imposing. Yeah, definitely. So there was also a couple web series. There was one Terminator Salvation um, in 2009, which you know supplemented the 2009 movie. Also, Terminator Genesis, which is like a YouTube Chronicles in 2015. Haven't seen either of these things. Looked up some uh, clips. Not super impressed. Also, R.I.P. Machinima. Yeah. 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 It was like one of the best parts of uh, BlizzCon back in the day. So there's also a novel. Basically, I mean, there's a, there's so a few novels, but the biggest one that supplemented Terminator 2 ran from 2001 to 2004 with a bunch of issues. There's video games. We've talked about this before, but basically anything that comes out in the 80s or, or early 90s has a bunch of video games. Mainly based on Terminator 2, but I think yep. the best one that always comes to mind is the pinball game and, of course, the arcade game that gave you a machine gun. That uh, stuff those are basically the two. Arcades, and it's yes. so those are basically the two you see everywhere. Kind of like the our last or two episodes ago when we talked about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those games are still everywhere, even to this day, in you know, Chuck E. Cheese's and Peter Piper's. Cause not a lot of arcades anymore. I think the only arcade game that I'm really sad about not seeing anymore is uh, House of the Dead. House of the Dead 2. Ha to be specific. I, thought that, I thought that would be in everywhere. Well, they don't have two. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Two was my favorite. Yeah. I, 
I haven't played the Terminator 2 arcade game in forever, but I'm sure the graphics that, are terrible. The, the, wait, so the Terminator 2, the one with the machine gun, that was the one where you actually went into like the the booth booth, right? Like the little... That, that was Time no, that Crisis. Was, yeah, that, well, there was the booth no, booth one, but I'm talking crisis about the one where the one you just stood there with like the machine gun. Oh, is that not like, what you meant? I thought that's what you meant. It was like in a booth. No, 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 no. Time Crisis doesn't have a booth. It, it's just the foot pedal for ducking and covering. No, there, there was a Terminator game where it was kind of like the Jurassic Park game where you actually had like a little seat thing and you went into it. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like the like early, early one where you are basically just standing there with a machine gun and you are shooting stuff. I remember that one, but I come back to it. All right. So you also have some comics. There's a, basically a bunch dating back to 1988 under different companies. It was with Now Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Marvel Comics, Malibu Comics. Backnet Comics, Dynamite Comics, and is currently with I. Well, I don't think there's a current run, but this last run was with IDB Publishing. IDW. IDW. What did I say? IDB. IDW Publishing. I should know that because I write stuff for them. I'm like, that's like uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I did not expect there to be a musical, but there was. That makes the me term- so happy. Terminator, the musical, actually played in Austin, where we are based at, in May 2019, so we missed it. There was this thing going on, and we missed it. A review from the Oslo Chronicle called it the sort of thing, uh, the sort of loving parody of nuclear apocalypse and time-traveling AI that audience, audiences should experience at least once. And I have the review to the musical in the show notes as well. Kind of mad that I missed this. I am too. I'm looking to see if there's videos of it. I couldn't find any, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah, so that's basically basically what we have for the kind of the production history. Kind of long, but mainly just because it takes a lot of time to kind of summarize these movies because it's kind of crazy. But as we kind of move into some, but why those? Um, again, really focus on the first two movies. So the first one I think is pretty important when we talk about the careers of primarily James Cameron and Arnold, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not that Linda Hamilton didn't have stuff after this, but it's really James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger that have kind of the bigger roles after the first Terminator. So again, prior to the Terminator, he'd only uh, James Cameron had only done the Piranha movie. And after its success, he would basically go on to direct Academy-nominated movies like Aliens, The Abyss, True Lies, Titanic, Avatar, and I guess all the 17 million avatars that are going to come eventually. But basically, he'd end up with 41 Academy, Academy nomination, 41 Academy nominations and 21 wins, basically, through those through those movies. And other notable achievements that I thought were kind of cool, he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He has an award from the Visual Effects Society, Lifetime Achievement Award, basically from his work in Terminator 2 and Aliens and things like that is in the Science Fiction Hall of Fame. And if you look at his filmography, he really doesn't have that many movies under his belt. But they all kind of just, hit. Yeah. Yeah, but they all smash. I also think the other thing, too, that makes me that, that makes him really, or I guess that kind of defines him, is he knocked sequels out of the park. Like, mm-hmm. Aliens is not a bad sequel, and it's something that people still freaking love. And same thing with yeah. E2. Like, and that's really hard to do, especially in science fiction franchises. Because science fiction is kind of like horror. Like, as sequels go on, the worse it gets. 
Um, yeah. We'll kind of talk about that and, and we talk about Terminator 2. That okay. Terminator 2, we really don't have that many good sequels anymore. And James Cameron just happens to do basically two of the best ones, kind of basically back to back. So, also, um, by the way, for the fun fact, until inflation took over and Marvel or Disney aka, bought everything and whatnot, he actually had uh, basically he had the number one and two highest grossing like movies pretty much for the ooh. longest time between Titanic and Avatar. But, yeah, that's crazy. And again, like his filmography is not that big, and I'm not sure if this is true. Oh, I don't know not. James Cameron. He has I'm 23 credits. Yeah, no, yeah, he. Like, that's what and yeah, one, he, he... two, three, four, five, six of them haven't come out yet. Yeah, yeah, no, he <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah, he he kills it. Um, and this is he still gets all of these accolades with his short film filmography. And from what I was reading, not the easiest guy to work with. Uh, from what I've said, from what I've read of things on set, like he just has a notably just like losing his temper and things like that during the filming of Terminator one and two. So he's able to do all this stuff and still not be the nicest guy to work with. And me and Kate talked about this on boondock saints. When you're not really easy to work with, you don't make movies after that yeah. in our boondock saints. Uh, Unless you're group. really good. Exactly. Yeah, I would like to point out he has 23 directing credits. When you take out the documentaries and you take out the TV episodes and the shorts, he has only directed eight features. Like I said, yep. When you Holy have 41 crap. nominations. I didn't know uh, that. He's yes. so prolific that I'm like, oh, you must have like a Takeshi Miki like thing. Why do you think he's probably an asshole? Because he's like, you know what? When I, when I make a movie, it's good. You I know mean, what? I'm firing my yeah. publicist. I'm out of here. Like I yeah, said, you can really be weird. hard to work with. You just have to be very, very good. That's, that's yeah, it's fair. really weird because I'm I'm a big fan of like looking up rankings and things like that because I think rankings show kind of you know at least public opinion and as like kind of yeah. pop culture thing I think those are, those things are important. I couldn't really find him on any big list, but I think it's because they put people like Spielberg and all this stuff above him because they have more films. But yeah. when you talk about like pound for pound with eight features and you have 41 nominations and 21 wins, that's pretty. That's so pretty, when are we doing know, the Spielberg thing of like how many movies did he actually make that we all don't like? Because I swear there's a lot of them. Oh, let's not. Let's because everybody always tells me Spielberg, and I'm like, out, when I think of I think of Jurassic Park, and maybe like whatever, then I'm like, there's a lot of movies that he made that I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. I will say this. I think one of the reasons why we all think that uh, Cameron is on so many other things is he produces so much stuff, or he like kind of writes a little bit, and he gets his name on stuff. They're essentially... They're using Guillermo del Toro just like they've used James Cameron, which is why, like, everybody was like, Alita is a James Cameron movie. It's like, no, Robert Rodriguez rewrote all of James Cameron's script. That is, That was not a James Cameron movie. But they used yeah. his name. So. Yeah. He'll get, he'll get an episode eventually. So, also from here, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger. This one's kind of a little bit different because Arnold was also already, like, a huge star because of, basically, he's, like, the golden age of bodybuilding as the seven-time Mr. Olympia, but his acting career like hadn't taken off just yet. He had he had done Conan the Barbarian in 1982, which is a few years before Terminator. But Cameron didn't even want to cast him because he didn't think that he was big enough star to play the pivotal role of Kyle Reese. Cameron actually, when he had planned to meet with Schwarzenegger, wanted to avoid casting him. So he's already thinking of like a plan to be like, oh, I don't like this guy. But after meeting him, he basically is like, hey, no, I don't like you for James Kyle Reese, but what about you playing the Terminator? Yeah. And that's basically how we get that. And he, there was even like a quote when he, from Arnold Schwarzenegger saying when he was doing the filming or he was getting ready to go do the filming of Terminator, he basically said, oh yeah, I'm doing this. Like while he was like doing press conferences for Conan, he was basically said like something to the effect of, yeah, I'm doing like this shitty movie with, you know, about, robots and stuff 
he didn't he didn't even think that too much about it. But it would basically launch his career. So after dominating the seventies as a bodybuilder, he would go on to dominate basically as an action star in the eighties and kind of into the nineties. So he he did Commando, Predator, The Running Man, Total Real Call, and Kindergarten Cop, what kind of bridges his nineties into the kind of the more action comedy roles, where in the 90s he would do or in the 90s he would do the last action hero jingle all the way batman and robin underrated horrible so good so i hate <laughs> him as the mr freeze that i love but i love him as his mr freeze like that makeup like that metallic blue paint i love you arnold also jingle all the way was also awful. one of the no jingle all the way is one of the best holiday movies for the same reason that krampus is is like it still manages to tell you a story about christmas while showing you how terrible people will rip you apart for toys basically yeah it's it's a good christmas movie because of how bad christmas is that's basically like that all we keep warning Uh, is kate has terrible taste No, it's good. Really go look at. Why are you booing me? Kate has campy taste. No, you're not. You're not even close to right. (laughs) So, fun fact about Batman and Robin: We went to go see Hellboy, and I told her, and I basically I live by this philosophy of Rotten Tomatoes. Everything you know, you have like the '90s is probably Oscar bait percentage, and usually between like eight low '90 to like '70s and '60s, you know, you probably have a pretty good movie. Even '50s and '40s, you can have hit or miss. '30s depends on the person. Anything that's 15% or low is just bad and awful. And then uh, she was like, but what about Batman and Robin? And I was like, I guarantee it. That movie is 15% or below. And then we pulled it up and it was like a 12. That's sad. I don't think it's a 12 bad, but yes, it is. If anything, it also gives it us ruined the entire Alamo Batman tr- franchise. <laughs> It gave me one of my favorite Alamo Draft House don't talk in the movie things where he freezes the dude. He's like, hey, leave the talk during the movie. I like that part. I like that one. Uh, also does Junior True Lies, which again, if that might sound familiar because he also does True Lies with James Cameron. Um, I watched that movie the first time for a long time on Thanksgiving because my dad and his damn action movies. Not not a bad movie. It's all right. I kind of like it's True not Lies. Bad. Running Man is really good. Running Man also really good. Not bad. Yeah. Um, so and, so and is Junior the one with Danny DeVito? Okay. No, no that's not. No, that that's a different one. That's you're thinking about the penguin. No, that's also no. Batman. No. <laughs> no. Yes, it is. He's in here. Yeah. When Arnold and gets pregnant, like, isn't it? Up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, in the 2000s, he's basically devils as a movie star and the governor. So he does Collateral Damage, The Rundown, Expendables, all these Terminator reboots, but also like basically runs California. At the same time, and is literally called the Governor. He's not called like I don't know the Predator or whatever the case is. Like he's they go off. Of, they don't call him Conan the Governor or I don't know whatever punny stuff you can think about for his other movies. Terminator is the one that they kind of make all the the jokes about. And basically, he basically lays lays the groundwork for the Rock to become the first movie star president here pretty soon. I think so. From there, we kind of move away from Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger because Linda Hamilton is basically like one of the best action heroines in a movie. And we have talked about you know action heroines in the past, but I think it's hard to get bigger and more badass than Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Um, 
the only one I can really think of that comes close is Sigourney Weaver as Ripley in Alien. And we talked about her in episode 14 in the Wayback Machine time travel. If you want to go back and listen to us in the Wayback. Those aren't available anymore. Oh, those aren't available anymore. Just kidding. We did do that. That was one of the worst listened to episodes ever. Of it, and we can read yeah, about it. Yeah, no one, aliens. no one will, no one will know. You know what? I may <laughs> have been born in eight, I may have been born in the eighties, but I do not like a lot of eighties movies. I do not alien like a lot of eighties movies. Alien is great. Yeah. So if you go like look at, if you go just go Google, you know, best action heroines. It's essentially Ripley and Sarah Connor are basically top three in all of them. So. And the best thing about this is usually when we look at these lists, sometimes they're out of date. But a lot of these lists are basically kind of more relevant, you know, 2016 to 2019 or so. So Vulture had 11 most influential action heroines of all time. Ripley was number one. Sarah Connor, number two. Parade had the 20 greatest action heroines in movie history. Ripley, number two. Sarah Connor as number three. Who was number one? I believe. I believe who was I talking about? Uh, Furiosa was number one on that one. So it's basically Furiosa, Sarah Connor, and Ripley from Mad Furiosa from Mad Max are basically like the three that you see the most. These lists are pretty consistent too. I, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking through them right now. I agree with yeah. a, a lot of these. I mean, there also aren't that many female action heroines. You could just put them all on a list and it would be fine. I feel this like that's why Gina Carano's yeah. on there. <laughs> just saying. So Film Inquiry has 10 greatest action. Uh, I can't think of can't click the thing now i see kate sanchez on the okay there it is sorry no you're good film inquiry has the 10 great 10 great action heroines of cinema ripley number one sarah number two and then screen rant has not just like the character but basically the 10 best female action stars ever and linda hamilton is number one on that list and i'm going to tempt twitter army and people who love alien and that franchise and maybe Kate, if you disagree, since Matt doesn't really have an opinion on either of these franchises. But I think Sarah Connor's probably more badass than Ripley. Because uh, I think that Ripley's more badass in Aliens, but James Cameron directed Aliens. So basically, you get the same kind of stuff there. So the funny thing is, I just like Sigourney Weaver more than Linda Hamilton. <laughs> so that would be the thing. No. That makes sense. But also, like, I mean, Linda Hamilton is still carrying the franchise at 69 and still looks great. Gorney Weaver is doing documentaries of planet Earth and other types of things. So, no, I'm talking about like, <laughs> I'm talking about like the characters, like Sarah Connor and Ripley. Well, I know. Characters. That's why I said, like, I don't really care about the no, characters. I, I just like Sigourney Weaver more than Ripley I like Linda Hamilton. Ripley is more badass. Like, in, I, I think they're both badass. I like them. They're great. Ripley just stays. Uh, she is good in both one and two, and she's never underutilized in either one of them. And then in one, additionally, the fact that she survives, takes over, and save, and is able to do all of that with her entire crew essentially working against her because they won't listen. Like, yeah, no. I, I don't agree there. But I do Sarah agree Connor I smashed a Terminator in the 80s. They didn't Ripley even have cell phones an yet. an unkillable freaking alien with acid. And, an, a and, and a robot. She actually does. She's a spaceship. She, she kills a robot in the first one. She kills oh, Dave. Yeah, but who's scarier, Dave or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Nobody likes Dave. They, they, both, 
They both. And then yeah, he both throws an even more kills. badass. They both have. She kills an even kills more badass their, one in Terminator Two and makes it go blah, blah, and gets all crazy. And then she's sixty nine and still walking off of stuff. I don't know. I just think she's a little bit more badass. They're both badass, but I think I Ripley's know. way better. I like Ripley Hell a lot more. That being said, uh, and I really wish James Cam- James Cameron said that his female heroines were better than any female heroines. And I'm like, they're really great, but they still have some issues, James. Let's not. I mean, you say that, but they're on number one and two of all these lists. No, so is he wrong? I agree with that. <laughs> what I'm saying is James Cameron needs to not talk because he puts his foot in his mouth. Oh, okay. That, makes that sense. is the problem. I'm not disagreeing gotcha. with the fact that. The and, and and I also think he takes credit for Ripley after moving Ripley past what uh Ridley Scott set her as. So I don't like that people throw Ripley under him because Ripley only exists in aliens because of the foundation that was built in the first one. Give Ridley Scott his due. That being said, uh he put his foot in his mouth and I don't like but it's because he's that he has an asshole quality, which like Matt said, when you're good, you can't see anything past your own goodness. Um, so I don't like that. Um, cause a, a lot of the reasons we have the Alita we have was because of what Robert Rodriguez did to his script treatment to make Alita better. Um, that being said, I do think that when you look at what defines an action heroine, Ridley Scott and James Cameron kind of set that foundation and they're one dimensional ish, but it's the first time we actually get them doing more things and having their own agency. And then anything after that. Like, if you look at any science fiction that has a powerful woman in it, they usually base it off of Ripley. And same thing if you look at any uh, uh, Linda Hamilton. Aren't all 80 stars just one-dimensional characters anyways? Yes, they are. Okay, then. Yeah. Yes, that's the point (laughs) of action stars most of the time. That's why they're probably... Yes, but like I said, you're like, they're all one-dimensional. I'm like, yeah, everybody in that damn movie is one-dimensional. Because I would argue Ripley has the most dimension out of any of them, including the ones that happen in... So she has 1.5 dimensions. Or 1.2. He's like two. Like, even Arnold Schwarzenegger in those movies, not like he's, like, multidimensional. No, no. He's a literal robot. I know, that's what I'm saying, like. <laughs> that's, no, but that's the point. I'm saying that is literally where we started with action heroes, and now we've moved. That's it. All I felt like you wanted to do was defend Robert Rodriguez and try to shit on James Cameron at that point by making the same exact <laughs> point that James Cameron did. I don't know if that's true. That's not true. It's called <laughs> knowing the women in action. And what? again, there's very few of them. There's like five. So, like, and they're all made by James Cameron, apparently. Huh? <laughs> and they're all made by James Cameron, apparently. One of them is made by James Cameron. The other is made by Ridley Scott. Until we get to the next, but why though? And we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, so basically, you have the actors being really great, regardless of your opinion on whether Ripley or Sarah Connor's better. They're both two of the best. And then you also go into. Terminator 2 itself being not only one of like the best sequels that there is on, you know, any list that you can find, but it's also a CGI game changer and really paves the way for a lot of the movies that we have today or even directly following it. So, in terms of being the best sequel nowadays, and we've talked about this multiple times, but we get lots of sequels and prequels that come out and it's really kind of hard to find one that's better than the first and Something like that, something that like takes the first movie, does what it does, and then does it better. I think T2 does that. And then again, Aliens, I think, I, we've, I think we had this conversation before, but Ali- I think I like Aliens better than Alien. 
personally. So you basically have James Cameron having arguably one of two of the best sequels that have like been made ever under his belt, in addition to having worked with you know Ripley, not creating Ripley, but worked with Ripley's character, and then having Sarah Connor. So if you look at some other rankings, again, I have these all posted in our show notes for our patrons. Empire has T2 as number three, Aliens number one. Time Magazine, number 11 out of 35, with number one being Bride of Frankenstein. Ranker has it as number two, with Empire Strikes Back being number one. Um, and again, kind of like you said before, Kate, these lists basically have all of kind of the same stuff on it. So their rankings really don't change all too, too, all too much. I think the crazier thing is that most of the movies that you see on these lists are basically from the 70s and 80s. So with like the exception of, of course, The Dark Knight, which we've talked about in our Batman episode, probably debatable if it's even that good of a movie anymore. Uh, the Two Towers, Spider-Man 2, Toy Story 2, Shrek 2. Basically, the rest of them are basically 70s and 80s movies. So you have T2 being a great sequel coming out of a time where we don't out of like the last 30 years where we really don't have that many great sequels. So the fun thing we're going to do is in like 15 years, we're going to do who is the best fourth movie of all franchises. And then Matt's going to get to talk about Mission Impossible. (laughs) And what about the best fifth movie of all franchises? Or the best prequel, prequel, prequel movie. (laughs) So the movie itself, uh, I believe, if I remember right, is the only one that has any Academy nominations for obvious reasons. The movie itself won four out of the six things that it was nominated for. So it lost cinematography and film editing to JFK with Kevin Costner, but it won makeup, sound, sound editing, and visual effects. And this is big because the visual effects that it does basically changes the game for CGI for the rest of time. If you remember, they didn't make the second movie until much later because they didn't have the technology to make the movie. So once they did have it, they were doing things that hadn't really been tried before. So the team behind T2 was Industrial Light and Magic, who have a long list of like CGI accomplishments before T2. So in 1980, they have the first use of Go Motion to animate the Tauntaun creatures in The Empire Strikes Back. 1985, they have the first completely computer-generated character, the stained glass man in young, in young Sherlock Holmes. In 1988, they have the first morphing sequence in Willow. In 1989, they have the first uh, computer-generated 3D character to show mo- to show emotion, the cephalopod in the Abyss. So can we just say a James Cameron movie? Can we say by thing out of all James Cameron movies, I like the Abyss the best. I I'm not surprised by that literally. <laughs> yeah. at all. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. This is on brand. <laughs> and in 1991, they have the first partially computer-generated main character, the T1000 in Terminator 2: Judgment Day. If this took a team of about 50 artists working on the movie for about a year to get it where it needed to be with 45 different shots. Before this, with things like The Abyss and Willow and things like that, they'd only done three or four shots with this kind of technology. So this is like a big step up between The Abyss and Willow. They essentially bring morphing into the mainstream. So if you remember in like the 90s, you had lots of stuff with morphing. And it's basically because T2 does it so well. Animorphs. Do you have to think, I have to think Terminators <laughs> for Animorphs? Yes. Probably. Yeah, probably. That makes me happy. And the use of CGI passed only using it on humans. So they tried it with like the cephalopod in the abyss, but they do it a lot more. ILM also worked on Jurassic Park. So we may never had what Jurassic Park looks like today without them like basically trying stuff out in Terminator 2. Because in 1993, we ILM does the first time uh, we have digital technology used to create a complete and detailed living creature 
basically the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, which also earned ILM its 13th Oscar. Which we all discuss in the groundbreaking Jurassic Park in our other episode of I have no idea what number that is anymore. You're also correct. I think it's 93. I'm going to take a guess. (laughs) uh, That's Apollo. You are incorrect, sir. Also, we like got rid of stuff on our thing to make room, and I don't know what episode it was, but it wasn't 93. Oh, okay then. <laughs> Take a guess. So basically, I and this is a good point for Terminator being good and for Matt to see, we wouldn't have Jurassic Park without Terminator 2, or at least have a good of a Jurassic Park without Terminator 2. So I don't hate Terminator 2, but everything, yeah, know, after, I'm they, just saying. F- everything after that, you should be ashamed of. I, not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, Genesis is not good. So one of the coolest things I found when kind of looking up how they basically did a lot of the stuff, ILM basically was doing motion capture before it was even a thing. So in order to digitize Terminator 2 star Robert Patrick, so they can turn him into basically the chrome version, which is technically the T-2000 when he's all chromed out, they painted him with 4-inch by 4-inch grids all over his body and then filled him simultaneously from front and side so they could basically retroscope his movements. I put a link in the show notes so this of is a YouTube like, video. This is real early mocap. Yeah, this is like super early motion capture. Basically, basically, Robert Patrick actually got blisters on his feet from running on the rubber that they had because they had him do it a bunch of times. So basically, he bleeds so Andy Circus could run and do all the cool stuff that Andy Circus does. <laughs> because we wouldn't have Andy Circus doing all the cool stuff without you know this guy oh. having stickers pasted to him. Yeah. It would and also like, even on, oh, go ahead. yeah, go for it. No, I was gonna no, say go like I definitely want to point out to you like industrial lights and magic. Like the majority of any sort of movement in any sort of special effects comes from them. Yes, like they are the one of the most influential special effects companies. Yep. Both modern, both us, um, practical and uh, CG. Yeah, just to preface, like the, the things I put in there aren't like a sensitive list. I think they're just the ones that were most relevant to what they do in Terminator Two. But I mean, they do things with Star Trek. They do things with Jurassic Park. They have a. They are still doing things today. So, yeah. very, 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 very huge. And this is also. I also want to point out that they did get it for basically the you know the CGI stuff, but they also still have a bunch of practical effects in the Terminator. Um, in the Terminator and Terminator 2, so the Terminators that we see at the beginning of the movie in Terminator 2 are basically all fully working animatronic models. At the end of the movie, when they're use, when they're basically melting the uh, T-1000, the artificial substance used um, that they use instead of melting steel, which is actually kind of like you know dangerous and things like that, the artificial substance they use is, is actually, they need to keep it pretty cool to get the right density. So they had to actually keep the substance really really cold so the actors actually had to have fake sweat sprayed on them between takes to kind of get that effect that this thing was really really hot so just two little snippets so even though they are pushing the grounds with cgi they're still using a lot of the practical effects that make terminator one still hold up pretty decently so lots of cool stuff there and then i got some fun facts if you want to hear some fun facts yes. oh that's really also i got after that um so i added the fun facts all throughout and there are some cool ones, but I thought one of the more interesting ones was who could have been. So Sylvester Stallone, Mel Gibson, and even OJ were uh, cast to maybe be Terminator. I think people forget that OJ actually played in quite a bit of movies for a while. I know. Yeah. James Cameron did not take OJ because he didn't think that OJ could have been the killer Terminator. Didn't think that was a good look for him. 
Well, the Terminator is up front. He doesn't like use gloves. <laughs> he he is also the one doing the chasing, not the one being chased. Exactly. So Sting, the singer Sting, and Ultra Schwarzenegger, like I mentioned before, could have been Michael Reese. I think having Sting, Sting? would have been hilarious. That'd been great. I also read when I first read this, I thought this was like Sting the wrestler, and I was like, oh my god, please give me that. No, I would love to see that. This is Sting the uh, the mumbler. Yeah. So early concept art used singer Billy Idol's face for the T-1000, and Cameron briefly considered him for the part until Idol broke his leg in a motorcycle accident and couldn't complete training in time for the movie. So we could have had Billy Idol as the T-1000 instead of like the white angry guy as the cop, which would have been also hilarious, I think. And just because I like things blowing up, the minigun used in Terminator 2 was the same minigun that was used in Predator, also starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. So just, they used that the is same actually crap. his minigun. Um, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so I, I like that. I like Predator and I like this movie, so I thought I'd throw that one in there. But we're you know, pushing an hour. But that's basically what we got. At, at the end of the day, this, sequ- this franchise may not be very as, as, as it once was. But it's still, those first two movies are still super important for launching careers as well as really pushing the grounds of CGI to give us some of the cool movies we have today and really putting ILM on the map for being, you know, kind of like the premier CGI company, which for better or worse, whatever your feelings are on CGI is still super important because we wouldn't have Jurassic Park and, you know, some of the Star yeah, Wars stuff. Yeah, but without. I do think we get different between CGI and Jurassic Park and then what we have today as CGI. Yeah, and there's like, a, there's, I watched like this big documentary on it <laughs> and you can... And they, they even say, like, oh, these days people don't even like it anymore. So what we did then was really groundbreaking because you can kind of tell, you know, what in CGI and what isn't. And what ILM did so well was, like, well, when I was little, I thought those dinosaurs were real. I thought those were real things. <laughs> and ILM also, like, really – or when they work with the, who they're working with, still integrating those practical effects to not make the CGI just overblown. So there's definitely – they definitely hit that really good balance in not only Terminator 2 but the other things that they worked on as well. They might need their own episode. Like, that's how cool they are. I mean, they, they have enough credits to deserve it. Yeah. And that's really all I got. So we can do some final thoughts, and then we can get out of here. Uh, Matt? Um, didn't go see Terminator Dark Fate. Thought about it. It looked decently better. But then again, I saw another of the other ones to know better, which is probably why everybody else thought the movie bombed. Um, I still think... This is another one of these franchises that we keep tra- trying to revitalize. We obviously were now getting Ghostbusters, um, Predator. They already tried again. Just leave the damn movies in the eighties. I I personally don't care. I think they were like I said T two and stuff in the eighties, early nineties movies. I'm not gonna say they're bad movies, but at the end of the day, like you've now just making five movies that are awful, and I just I don't. I know why people like the first two. Do you like any other ones? I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, a lot of people it, like the most recent one. Yeah, and I, I mean, my, that's why those, fine. But I mean, almost, we're talking about like in general of like yeah. All of these I mean, movies. I don't think I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong. Like, one of my but why those was almost that like this this franchise is part of that wave of never ending sequels, even into yeah. now. Yeah. But there's just so many of them. I don't know if you can pinpoint when it started, but this is definitely one of the reasons why we get so many reboots and stuff like that because of like an 80s basically it's a bunch of people that are our age that want to go back to the 80s to revitalize their childhood because shit sucks and we're gonna do good with nostalgia bait and here we are which you could probably cut all that out but i'm tired of it 
Ghostbusters looked like ass. I haven't even seen the new trailer. It's a good it looks one. like Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, it's literally just Stranger Things. So the way it was summed up in our writer's shot was it looks like somebody had an original skip script, couldn't pitch it, and then so they put Ghostbusters on it. Which, which is, is basically what they've been doing with a lot of this shit, which done. is why yeah. it's don't care. Which as much as I love the new the new Jumanji and the other one, it's kind of like it could have easily been its own. Yeah, I love the two, but I still don't like that it's called Jumanji. Yeah, which like, my... and the more and more we get, it's more and more away from actually the original in the first place at this point. My like, my but why though is in kind of the same vein, but more so just in like I feel like with the more sequels we get the more we're missing out on having like the next big moment in science fiction or the next big moment in genre like i think the like action is actually getting new stuff with like john wick but not even that much but it's like when you have something that is brand i mean even john wick's about to be on its fourth sequel <laughs> but like i would much rather take a new ip getting sequel to death than something that is on sequel number nine only because I think if we keep rehashing, rehashing, and if we even as good as James Cameron is, if we keep giving James Cameron work, we're we're missing out on all the new stories that can be told and like the next pop culture moments. Like honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why I loved Stranger Things so much because it was something that was new and unattached to things and did its own thing. And I think that like. I think there's a fear of doing new things because of how how much people have a bias against genre films. So like science fiction, action, and, and it's easier for people to go and do what they know because they're like, oh, there's a fan base built in. This isn't going to be hard, Eat, which is one of the things that I, it always hits me as weird because even as much as horror has the sequel to death problem, horror still finances like small, small movies that get made on a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and like you still get new ips coming all the time in that genre and i want it to also happen in science fiction and action but i worry that because those movies have to carry such a higher budget because of production we're gonna keep getting stuck in this cycle and it just kind of makes me sad because like i love cameron i love ridley scott i love the people kind of love spielberg don't really love him that much uh, but I like we have a foundation, but we need to start building new things on it. And so, like, just like a pos a more positive spin on what Matt said, I think that there is a lot of talent there, and it is one of the reasons why I do love Netflix and these other people coming into the production game because we are getting different things, and we're getting stuff that we're not seeing anywhere else. Like, see you yesterday is an amazing time travel movie, which I just remember. <laughs> That Which one? they put out this year. Like, we're getting uh, Altered Carbon. It's a series, but, like, that's still... It's adapted from a book, but it's still a new type of series. And I think that there's a big hole to fill, but we shouldn't be scared about filling the hole that these franchises kind of, like, built. Well said. Sorry, Adrian. I'm tired of sequels and stuff, and I want new IPs, I mean, and I, that's why... I, I didn't go see the last, like, two... Like, the last one in theaters anyway, so, like, I, no, I'm there with you, man. Only if I like it. Like I don't. I'll take seventeen more Fast and the Furious movies, but I don't want to see Predator ever again in the movies ever. Like just stop doing it, please stop, stop it. Yes. Only if you get old Arnold Schwarzenegger back. 
so. Just kidding. I, I don't want that. All right. I think that's okay. I think we can. I think we can get out of here. Okay. I think. I think we'll be back next week. <laughs> As always, uh, you can find the podcast at But Why the PC on all of our social medias. And if you want to help support us. A little bit more. Head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythopc. Leave us a review on iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Those kinds of things. It really helps. And then you can find me at... Then you can find me on Twitter at OvamithRandier. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93. S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z. 93. Matt? Um... That's about the way these movies went. <laughs> <laughs>